NIC, repping New York City Live and direct, cause he always come correct yeah. When he does an interview, it makes the streets so connect He stimulates the brain, the emotional device And when he smash like the Hulk when he claps you with advice It's all about the news when he drops in beats slow yeah. So pay close attention, shit's about to explode Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from the Upper West Side, New York City, where we blow up the news on a verbal scale. My name is Ephraim Guzman, and my guest today, he's back for round two. He was on my podcast earlier in the year, and he's back again. Ladies and gentlemen from the City of Angels, please welcome Bobby Fulton, the Fantastic. How you doing, Bobby? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited about being on this podcast again, you know, uh, I just, uh, I'm just thrilled for the opportunity to be here. I'm thankful that you asked me, and uh, a lot of big things are happening in my life right now. Yeah, um, let's a lot. Let's talk about that because, um, I know this is your winding down period because you have the fantastic finale tour. Basically, that's what you're calling it. Um, tell the people out there yes. what is this tour about. Well, I started wrestling professionally at the age of 16 in 1977, mm-hmm. and you know. God had the children of Israel over their disobedience in the wilderness for 40 years, and I believe Moses, prior to that, was 40 years on the backside before he went back into Egypt. 40 years is a good getting-off place for me. You know, wrestling has been a passion of mine. It has been a life of mine, and as a matter of fact, I had seen my baseball coach earlier a couple of weeks ago and he said, you know, I, I use you as a as a reference whenever I talk to my youth, my baseball youth, and so I tell them the story of when I asked you at 10 years old, what was you going to be when you grew up? And you told me very matter-of-factly that you were going to be a professional wrestler and that you were going to travel the world. So when I hear kids, he said, after that, I, when I hear kids, I listened, and I also knew that, that definitely you had a plan, my baseball coach said, and and that you got a chance to live a dream. And let me tell you something, sir, a dream I have lived indeed, and it's only because God's blessings that I was able to to go from a small town in, in Ohio, Chillicothe, Ohio, and if you can spell that, I'll give you a quarter, but <laughs> Chillicothe, Ohio, it came from Chillicothe, Ohio at 16 years of age and traveled the world. It was part of one of the greatest tag teams I feel in professional wrestling, and other people say that too, for those that got a chance to see us. And uh, I'm winding down that career, that final time, and I wanted to do it for numerous reasons, not health. As a matter of fact, brother, I'm joining a gym for the first time. In seven years, I've joined the gym. Wow. And when I get get out of this wrestling, when I when I do this tour, I plan to be in the best shape of my life. At age forty, I walked into a doctor. I've been training, and I, and, and I mean I train with weights and dumbbells and stuff like that. But because of some injuries, shoulders and necks, uh, neck, well I only have one neck. I I never really joined the gym. But the opportunity to come up to join a gym, I'm joining a gym. I'm going to be in the best shape of my life on out of this wrestling business. And uh, it's odd because when I got in it, it was the sick, the sick man. And not very many guys went to the gym and trained to look 
like bodybuilders, you know. Yeah. When I started, they were thicker type wrestlers. And the bodybuilder was not the norm. It was the, you know, the exception. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, as we went full circle, as my first time I was in the middle of that movement to where the guys looked more like bodybuilders than they did a wrestler. Yeah, I know you. You wasn't always in bodybuilder shape, but you was in shape. Um, what do you um accredit that to? Because you know it wasn't well, like. You know, you had the Adonis body, but, you know, you, you always held your own, and I never really known to you to be injured. Like, what, what's your secret? No, uh, I, I don't know, just God's blessings, but I, I, I'm going to be 55 on, uh, on Sunday. Wow. And uh, I stood over a 21-year-old that I wrestled recently in Parkersburg, West Virginia. No, Clarksburg, West Virginia. He laid on the ground gasping for air, and I had a picture taken of that. <laughs> and I just thought it was a good crowning achievement that it's that three-letter word age that don't affect you at all at all times, but it's it's the knowledge that you have with the age that you have, and if you can put those two together, then you can come out on top. And and what I attribute, I've always been the type of guy. When I went in the ring, I gave 100%. Regardless of where I was in front of how many or how less of a crowd. So with that being said, I just, uh, I'm very thankful. I've, I want to say this, I've never had an actual surgery on my body. And I praise God for that. Wow. Never had an actual surgery. Yeah. Any never drugs either, Bobby? No drugs, no anything? No, I never got into the drug scene. I never got into the drugs. I never got into that scene. I, a lot of my friends are gone because of that. And I mean, I make no bones about it because I live in a town called Chillicothe, Ohio, that they call now Pillicothe. Yeah. That is south, uh, it's, it's, it's south of a town called Circleville, which they call Circle Pill. <laughs> Drugs are the ruination of this country, brother, and it's not just in our towns and mm. cities, but it's everywhere, and it's an epidemic, and it's heroin. And I didn't know heroin was a cheap drug. You know, mm. when I in my day, when guys was doing cocaine and stuff, I seen it, but I never did it, and I was afraid of it. I mean, actually, I just and you know, so so many people did it. And I'm not here to tell them who did it and who did what. Who did this? I'm not about that. But I will say that most, a lot of people that I knew in professional wrestling are dead because of drug abuse. I mean, you gotta tell it like it is, yeah. and uh, and uh, and uh, everything. But I never got into the drug drug drug, drug scene. There's been a lot of passing of wrestlers, especially um, your longtime partner Tommy Rogers. How did you take that news, and what was your reaction when you heard it? I just was floored. I just was floored because uh, I talked to Tommy the last two years, probably of his life, and we shared about the scriptures and everything, and about Jesus and about life and life eternal through Him, and about Him being the only way. The scriptures say that Jesus is not one of many ways, but the scriptures teach us that He is the only way, mm-hmm. and. And and me and Tommy talked about that, and he had accepted Christ as Savior. And I have comfort in knowing that, but it also pains me to no end of his passing at 53 years old, young, 
young, young. You know, him and Dr. Death, Steve Williams shared a birthday. They were born the same day, the same year. Of course, Doc passed. You know, Dr. Death uh, passed before Tommy. But when I heard of Tommy's death, I couldn't even say the word death. It, was, it just it just bothered me, and I'm going to tell you the truth. It still hurts me. Mm. I mean, it still bothers me. I, I, and, and part of part of what what's making me go to the gym now is in honor of Tommy Rogers and memory of Tommy Rogers mm. because he was very fanatical about that gym. Yeah. And although he was all beat up and everything, he was, he went religiously to the gym. The last time I heard Tommy Rogers speak was on Austin's podcast, and he was saying that he was in pain for a lot of the times. Did you know about the pain that he was in? Like, oh, he, yeah. I yeah. knew he was in pain. We, we have to learn in the wrestling to live with pain. Yeah. And we have to learn that it's just part of the life from the abuse. I just think, too, uh, a lot of these deaths, and a lot of them at early ages, and some of them, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to skirt the issue. Some of it's drug related, but some of it's because they're trying to escape the pain that they're in. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think that your heart is made to be slammed around like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, get thrown around, fall long distances. These young guys do this stuff and. They, Ray Stevens, the great Ray, the Cripper Stevens, somebody told me he had uh, said if he knew he was going to live as long as he did, which he might have been 60-something, he said he took better care of himself. But the thing of it is, it's the big falls and the sudden stops and the jerking of, the, of your innards, I'll say the word innards. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it's good on them. I mean, you know, they're finding out now with high school football and even with football, professional football, the damage that's done years after these people. And also, these high school kids, there's been quite a few of them die this year. I just, it's 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 an awful pounding you put in your body, you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you are in any? You said you're not in no pain at all whatsoever. Um, no, no, no. I didn't. No, no, no. I am in pain. Yeah. I said I've never had surgeries. You said surgery. Oh, but you are in pain as as of right now. You are in pain right now. I have shoulder problems and I have neck problems. Yeah. And sometimes when I turn my neck, it it kind of locks up on me. Feels like I got to be real careful with it. Wow. And that's one of the reasons why.
Yeah. It's crazy how, like, drugs and wrestling almost kind of go together and everything. Also, I want to say this. Mm-hmm. I called Buddy Randell and said, Buddy, Tommy's gone. And Buddy said, Bobby, it just keeps getting more painful every day. Wow. And his daughter just passed away a couple months before that, Buddy Landell's daughter. Yeah, I know. And then the three late, two days later, Buddy Landell passed away. Yeah. Then, then, the American Dream, the man that had more charisma in his little pinky than most of us have ever had in our whole bodies. Mm-hmm. He had never been to a gym for years in his life, but, but the way he could talk, he had the gift, and he had the mind, and he had the brain. Uh, I, I, um, I had a deep respect for the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. I, I took my kids and got a chance to see him in Charlotte. Greg Price put that big event on, Legends Fan Fest. We got a chance to go in, and Dusty had lost a lot of weight at that point. This was about a year. It was a little over, oh, oh, he, he passed away. As a matter of fact, I think, uh, it was in June or July, but uh, we, the year before we had seen him at that event, and then he had passed away. But uh, I had an immense respect for Dusty Rhodes under his booking. I had one of my biggest weeks ever in the wrestling business, money-wise, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I have nothing but respect for Dusty, and, and, and I'm so sorry for his family, and then people have read some stuff to him tell me about different things and this and that, but uh, uh, he was an icon. I mean, you can't, I don't think you should throw that name around a lot, icon or legends, but the American Dream Dusty Rhodes was a true icon in professional wrestling. Also, um, Roddy Piper as well. Another one? Yeah. I don't know what happened with him. I mean, uh, it was a shock because I thought he was in good health. And then all of a sudden he passes away, you know, uh, uh, that was, that was just unbelievable on, on Roddy Piper. But you know what, brother, we'll never know when we're going to go. Yeah. And it's just like, for example, Tommy Rogers' wife, uh, Sheila was so bothered over Tommy's passing course, I understand. But I told her there was nothing. She thought, well, what if I could have done, there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. There's people that, uh, and Tommy Rogers didn't commit suicide. He died of aspiration. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and, and a lot of people died of that. And people can Google that and look it up. And, uh, but that's what he died of. A lot of famous movie stars have died that way. But, um, but he didn't commit suicide. And I put that on my Facebook a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a full autopsy and everything. And I just, it's uh, when he passed. A lot of some people speculated that and said that, and I think it was supposed it was put out to some uh, guy that does a lot of stuff on the internet, and it kind of they picked it all up as like a news feed. And uh, but it wasn't suicide. Tommy Rogers uh, was full of life, and uh, just like I told his wife, though, uh, there's sometimes there's nothing you can do when God says it's over. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. When our time is up, our time is up. And there's, you know, all the breathing, bringing people back to life. The, uh, and this and that, uh, you know, uh, you've heard of people uh, shot and should have died, but they live, and that's because God said it was not their time. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Um, sp- um, speaking of God and religion, um, uh-huh. um, I read a book. I don't know if you ever read the book called Maximize to Manhood. I don't know if you ever read that book. No, I haven't. It was from um, Edwin Lewis Cole, I believe. And there's a quote in that book where he says, The greatest deed in business or ministry is teachability. Um, you, you know. The greatest what? Um, the greatest need in business or ministry is teachability. Um, I just right. want to know um, who inspired you to God, like who who led you in the direction of God. And well, um, I thought about that today. As a matter of fact, uh, I was thinking about that as a young boy. My mother and father, and here's one thing that, and I love my mother and father. Mm-hmm. But they never they never took us to church. Mm-hmm. For some reason, me and my brother and a group of boys. From the east end of Chillicothe, we walked down to Toledo Street one Sunday. Then we went in there, and the preacher preached, and we went in there, and we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, that was when I was a young boy on Toledo Street in Chillicothe. And I, of all the things I've ever done, I could never get over that yeah. meeting with Jesus that morning. Now, we went on to clean the church, and do that and get involved with a get involved with a uh, youth minister there by the name of David Johnson, him and his wife Beverly, and they ended up uh, they ended up uh, moving to uh, Tennessee now. But that was my first meeting with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, what's so funny about that is just a year or so after that, I'll never forget sitting there. In a little baseball stadium in Maryland, Patton Park. And it was like somebody speaking as we're speaking right now. Mm-hmm. God's calling upon my life to share the gospel, to preach the gospel. And I said, you know, I really have a dream of wanting to be a professional wrestler. And I really have that dream. It was kind of like God blessed me with that. Farther than I ever wanted to go because I thought I'd be back then just a weekend warrior perhaps that would wrestle maybe on the weekends, but what happened was I started at 16. I ended up, just when I graduated high school, I could go on the road and become what I became. But with what we're talking about is the Lord Jesus, and, and the emphasis was that through Reverend Ringer, Dave Johnson, different people like that, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And it was something, I think, when you really, truly accept him as your Savior and your Lord, that you can never really actually get over that fact. No matter where you go, you can't outrun them. Because by the time you get to the next place, God's already there when He's really in your heart. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and, you know, as, 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 you know, other than Bobby Fulton, as James Hines, um, you know, going, you know, you say your parents didn't take you to church, was, you know... No, my parents never took us to church. Sure. Um, did, did, once you became born again, did you try to minister to your parents, or they didn't want to hear any of it, or...? I, I'm trying to think, because it was so long ago. We went religiously. We went, we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I remember practicing football at uh, in junior high or, uh, or you know, would have been junior high school. And I would go to church on Wednesday nights after football practice. It got a hold of me so much. And as a matter of fact, here's the funny thing about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, church got out at one o'clock, 12 o'clock on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I had to run home because it was a good ways from home. 
because wrestling only came on one time a week, and that was 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoons back then when it was more regional wrestling. Yeah. So sometimes I would have to miss my wrestling or miss a little bit of it to run home to get to watch my wrestling, which was out of Detroit. Wow. But I, did I try to minister to people? I tried to share the, to share the gospel to others, and I still am today. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, uh, uh, with my parents, I think, I think a lot of times, instead of preaching to them, let them see how you live. And it's, and a lot of people will say, well, you know, you're a lot of time the only Bible anybody ever sees. Do you hear me? Mm-hmm. Well, most of the time, you're the only Jesus the people are ever going to see. Mm-hmm. So, so going years back, going years ahead, by the hour, I, I, a woman years later had noticed, she stopped, she said, where do you go to church? I mean, this is years later. And I said, I go over here such and such. Well, she she said, I noticed you keep church hours, meaning that she must have paid attention to me leaving, going to church, coming back, going to church. And she had told me she had been a heroin addict and her life was all messed up. And she started going to the church I went to. Then she accepted Christ as her Savior. Then what was real, she married a man in church. They're living a godly life. And I mean, see, we just never know, sir, whose life we're going to touch by just watching, not by speaking, but by our actions. Yeah, that's true, because, you know, you know, also, like, you know, you have to, like, show what you do, because people are the first one to condemn you, especially if you're a Christian, to see, like, oh, you see, you know, he's falling, look at him, you know, or, hey, you know, every little thing, you're, like, under the microscope, oh, he's cussing, look at him, he's cussing, so he can't be a full Christian, you know, so, you know, you always get, you always get persecuted, especially, like, you know, you're being a wrestler, and, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of wrestlers you, who are living secular lives, and who are not believers, how do you like um i'm not saying that you preach in a locker room but how do you show like the holy spirit in you when you're in a locker room and you know you're with other wrestlers well i'll tell you what happened i had uh i had uh really rededicated my life probably at the age of 30 and i really was uh yeah i think it was 30 or 31 i can't remember now but I went to I went to Japan and they were, and I and I was smoking cigarettes mm-hmm. and uh, a, a promoter by the name of Sacrante. I don't know if you ever heard of him or not. No. But he said, "How do you call yourself a uh, Christian, Bobby, and you still smoke cigarettes?" Wow. So here's what happened. Yeah. Here's what happened, brother. I went to Japan and I got back and Dale Wilkes called me the Patriot. Yeah. He said, "Bobby, I, uh, he said." I see you living your life for Jesus. He said, I want to live my life for Jesus. And I got off that phone, and I said, God, take them cigarettes away from me. I don't want to do anything that would hinder my testimony to anybody. And I'm telling you what, I got up that day, and I never smoked another cigarette again after that. And uh, the thing of it is, like I said, I guess by not, we don't have to preach to people, but if we try to live our lives for Christ, to let them see the difference in us. Now listen, mm-hmm. we're going to go through troubled times. 
Like you said, things are bad things are going to happen to good people. Mm-hmm. But you see, it's how we walk through that storm in our life. Then people will say, man. Because I've had a one wrestler, he went and he seen me and he went and got drunk and got high. Because here's the problem. He said, man, what he's got is real. And his pastor told him, said, once you fall, you never have a chance again to get back up. But that's not so. Because the prodigal, prodigal son went out into the pig pen of the world. And the scripture talks about in Luke 16 how, how the father was sitting waiting. And when he seen his son afar off, all of a sudden the father didn't go and say, oh, there's that no good kid of mine coming back in. The scripture says that the father got up off the porch and went running to greet his son who had went wayward, to welcome him back into the fold. And he and he brought his son back in. He said, my son was dead, but now here he lives. So, so we just have to learn as Christians, especially, I'm going to tell you something now, buddy. Mm-hmm. Is that we as Christians in America are under real persecution right now. And it's getting worse and worse and worse as the days go. But, you know, and I'm going to say this, the reason why is because they want us to be tolerant of everything. They want everything in the shade of gray. But the thing of it is, it's not like that in the Bible. The Bible speaks of sin and what sin is sin. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and uh, not only that, but also that, uh, that they're under persecution because we're not accepting of other people's lifestyles mm-hmm. and this and that and everything. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And we're really going to be under persecution coming up. Yeah, I know. It's, I know. There's a lot of things like you know. There's a lot of stuff even in the news, like mainstream media, the Caitlyn Jenner's of the world. There's a lot of things where you know society, you know, almost like you have to you know, conform to the norm, like what, you know, what is considered norm and what is considered, you know, trendy, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of things that are going on in this world that, you know, if you feel you'll be outcasted because you have your beliefs or, you know, should I just, you know, should I just be hooray because everybody else is saying hooray, you know, there's, um, there's a lot going on in this world. Well, I'll tell you what right now. The Bible says that we're not to be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing of it is, is look here. Everybody wants us to accept stuff like that, yet they don't want to be accepting of us. Mm-hmm. You talk about uh, being prejudiced against people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just feel, I just feel that uh, and against Christi- Christianity, Mm-hmm. It seems like that it's considered to be to, to all these people the bad uh, thing. But you know what? One thing about it is I don't think of my Christianity as a, as a religion, mm-hmm. but it's a relationship mm-hmm. with my Lord Jesus Christ. And you, you know Christ your Savior? The same with you. It's a relationship. It's a daily walk. Mm-hmm. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but our joy cometh in the morning. We're going to face tough times. We're going to face persecution. We're going to face obstacles in our life, but we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It's through Jesus that we live, move, and have our being. That we acknowledge 
judge him in all of our ways, then he will direct our paths. And I ask him every day, Lord, direct my steps. The Bible says that the steps of a good man is ordered by the Lord, yet though sometimes he may fall, God's hand will reach down and pick him back up. Amen. Do you have any opinions of what would make wrestling better for... Yeah. Uh, I, I, I got my opinions about what, you know, wrestling, the WWE's at an all-time low. You know that, right? Yeah. The ratings are at an all-time low. You know that, right? Yeah. I mean, you really do know that. Yeah. yeah from... Okay, here's the, deal. here's the deal, brother. Okay. You see, the independent wrestlers are watching Monday Night Raw and the Thursday Night or Friday Night Show and they're trying to emulate the stuff that they're doing, but see, their stuff's not working. It's just like the other night, I was wrestling on the independent event and a guy just dropped a guy right in front of me and took off running. I'm thinking, what's going on? I want to put it to you this way. Ninety percent. They have a clue about sports entertainment. They don't have a clue. Ninety percent of them that's been in it for twenty years on the independent scene, ninety, ninety, nine, zero, do not have a clue or should not even be in the locker room. Should not even be in a professional wrestling ring. That's how bad it is. Wow, Bobby, that's a really bold statement. Wow. Kevin Owens saying, I'll tell you what, I just got rid of another job. 
blah, 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 this and that. And John Cena says, I'm ready for Kevin Owens right now. Phil wrestle me and Kevin Owens won't wrestle. And then finally, well, then we're going to meet at the pay-per-view. That's why you have no finish, no big, strong finishes like DDTs established anymore or figure four leg locks or stuff like that. Nobody gets beat with that stuff anymore. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, I mean, a simple DDT like Jake the Snake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but he's got to be enhanced like that. I have to do it. Yeah. Then it gets over. Then his match is built around a try to get the guy in the DDT. Yeah. But here's the deal. You see, these guys are being trained on the independent scene by guys that's not experienced. There's a few guys that are, but most of them aren't. So therefore, they're getting a watered-down version. It's like taking a major, it's like taking a guy, it's like taking a guy from the, uh, it's like taking a guy from uh, Little League Ball and putting him in a major league stadium. Yeah. Um, um, you said there's a lot of there's a guy a lot of guys in the independent scene who are not wrestlers. There, have you dealt with any of them? Like, well, you said ninety percent of them, so I'm sure you dealt with like a couple of. Them. Oh, I dealt with them all the time. Yeah. Luke Williams told me he deals with them all the time. Yeah. All of those guys have to deal with them all the time. Yeah. I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. I wrestled in Huntington, West Virginia, a couple weeks a couple weeks ago, and they had a three way dance with three guys. Mm-hmm. They got out there and did it. That did every move imaginable, and the people sat there on their hands. Every once in a while, they would cheer. Me and another guy. He, I'm 54. He was probably 57, 58. And we tore the place down. And Tito Santana was in the back corner. I can't believe it. Look at this. The crowd was into the match. And prior to that match. The guys did everything they could possibly see on a raw Monday night roll. And I tried to tell the guy who comes from my hometown, named Ron Mathis, I tried to tell him that, and he won't listen. Oh, no. uh, he won't, his, his grandmother was a great Christian lady. As a matter of fact, a big influence in my life. Mm-hmm. But I tried to tell him after, I said, Ron. He said, yeah, but that's what the, that's what the, that's what the wrestlers want. No. You, you, you're not out there for you. You're out there for the crowd. And two times I followed him in shows, once in Waynesville, and you can go watch my match with a guy named Bobby Fulton versus Trevor. Trevor, I can't think of his name now, Trevor. Me and him went out there. Ron Mathis and another guy was before that. You see, there's got to be a good guy and a bad guy on every match. No, I never go to a movie wondering who it is. I mean, I wonder who killed somebody, but not who. Who's the guy that I'm going to cheer for? And who's the guy that I'm not going to cheer for? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, I just go off on a tangent, but it's fine. But he'll never catch on. I watch him. He never gonna, he's never going to catch on. Mm. And he thinks he's the, he thinks he's the, the epitome. And some of these promoters uh, think that too, but he's really got a lot to learn. But he don't, he's not going to listen. Because he thinks you've got to figure it out. And I'm not bashing him. And I didn't say his name. But it's the truth. And, and it's just like I said. It's just like I said. The people want, want, look here. When you go to a fireworks show, let me ask you a question. 
What is your most memorable moment in professional wrestling? Memorable? I got a lot of them. Um, I got a lot of them. Right, can you give me like two, two or three? I like, I like the Superdome in New Orleans when we wrestled the Bush with the Sheepers. Yes, that was a great match, yeah. It was great. And, and as a matter of fact, uh, we wrestled a lot of all the greatest tag teams in that era was there on, on that wrestling thing. So many people still comment on that match. That was 20 years and more than that now. That was very memorable. Uh, uh, you know, Tommy and I as tag team, the Fantastics, uh, had a chance to wrestle some great, great tag teams. Some of the greatest. And I, and I hate to say it, but I don't know if our era was the best of an era or not because of us, because we was in it. Mm-hmm. But it was the last of a great era because of what has changed you today. Do you like wrestling today, bro- brother? Yeah, wrestling will always have a special place in my heart, but, you know, it's not the same from when I used to watch it, because when I used to watch it, you know, you had a lot, you know, I was big, I was a big tag team wrestling fan, and they had a lot of tag teams, like, established tag teams, not makeshift tag teams where they just throw two guys together because they have nothing to do with them. You know, you had the Fantastics, the Midnight Express, um, like you said, um, um, the Sheep Herders, you know, you had the, the Russian Assassins, you know, you had the Assassins, you know, there were so many... Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, the thing, the thing of it is that that uh, that even the tag team wrestling is a dying art. I, I'm trying, I'm trying to start a school. As a matter of fact, I thought I found a building, but I think that fell through. But but uh, I'm trying to start a school. I really love to train some guys and train them to be. Listen, I don't like the word worker. They throw that word around a worker. I'm a professional wrestler. And I think when you're called just a worker, it makes you think a little bit different than when you're a professional wrestler. All these independent shows I see on the doors, some workers only, I thought, man, but brother, 
I'm a professional. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. Mm. But one thing that's missing in wrestling also is the passion. Yeah. Can't be connected with the match. Passion. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just not there any, anymore, you know, as far as that goes and everything. Um, do you have a um a memorable moment with Tommy as a tag team? Just um, oh, yeah. as a tag team, we man, me and him. Yeah, were well, you and we Tommy? Had, I'll tell you something. We had hundreds, if not thousand, thousand five star matches all over this world. Whether it was in Japan. And anywhere in the United States against some of the greatest tag teams. I was blessed, like I said, I'm not a great big guy, but I was blessed with a partner to be an outstanding tag team. And there are so many memorable moments, uh, and I know you tell me to pick one like I told you. Mm-hmm. The Superdome, New Orleans, I'm trying to think of something, uh, something uh, spectacular, uh, something that was just really... I don't know. I think when we wrestled in the Budokan, and we were wrestling, and it's on YouTube, you can watch this afterwards. It's Joe Malenko and Kikuchi against Bobby Colton and Tommy Rogers. I show that match to people that's not wrestling fans, and you watch that match, and you'll be a believer. I want you to do me a favor, brother. I want you to watch it when you get time, and then you contact me. And then what you thought of that match. It's Joe Malenko and Kikuchi. K-I-K-U-C-H-I. And we're in the Budokan, where there's 20,000 people, and it's like wrestling in a 1010, where there's 20,000 people watching you. And you tell me what you think of that match. Okay, I definitely will. I'm definitely going to watch this, watch the match after we talk, and then I'll, I'll definitely let you know and hit you back up. How long, how long is the match? How long is the match? Yeah, do you remember all ten? It was like a half hour match, hour match. I think twenty minutes, twenty minutes. Most of our matches we wrestled were not six and seven minute matches. They were fifteen to thirty minutes every night. And you know we wrestled on a schedule like this nine times a week in nine different cities. And it was we were worn out and beat up. You know, uh, it was a dream of mine, but it was actually a whirlwind I was in for all those years because it went by so fast and it was hard to stop and smell the roses because it was such a quick trip. It was like an escalator. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't stop to look at it, to enjoy a particular thing. But as far as wrestling, that was great. We got a chance to meet uh, meet a lot of fam- famous people from other things, uh, other places. And got a lot of chances to do a lot of different things. Uh, I mean, uh, we had a jeans jeans company hire us and send us on a tour all throughout Texas, like to these big department stores, and just meet people. And I don't even understand what that was all about, but that was even back then before Vince and all this and that. You know, uh, they, uh, I guess, represented their jeans, you know, uh, was back to school and, this and that, but we got a chance to meet Dusty Hill from ZZ Top, and you know, another thing too, I got a chance to meet a lot of my, my people that I, that I, Dusty Rhodes, I grew up watching the Texas Outlaws, Dusty Rhodes and Dick Murdoch, and uh, I got a chance to meet them, and as a matter of fact, I still stay in touch with that Bill of the Butcher. Wow. 
times a week. I grew up watching guys like him and, and these guys, and I got a chance to be there, and I was in awe of it, you know, because, man, these were my, it's like reading comic books, and all of a sudden you're running around with your heroes, you know, and you're not allowed to let them know that you're in awe of them. That's the amazing thing. And one more thing, while I'm thinking about it, I was thinking about this the other day, because I'm, I'm in the middle of trying to write a book. But, you know, when I was in wrestling before they played music, before you went to the ring. Yeah. And I remember years ago, before the music played, what would happen is a guy would be walking out in a big arena. You'd hear the crowd, the singers start cheering. And they would cheer more if they liked him, cheer more, and it just got louder and louder as he walked closer to the ring, walked close to the ring, until the whole arena was going crazy with clapping, cheering, stomping, whatever. That was the music then. But then, when we introduced the music to the wrestling, to the entrances, it took away from the people doing that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It used to give me cold chills to watch Jerry the King Lawler and Superstar Bill Dundee and guys like that walk out to the ring, especially in Memphis and the territory around there when I was young, before I was part of the Fantastics, because, man, that people, the people was just really into it, you know, and they would be cheering going to the ring, not like today, you know. A couple of last questions, Bobby. Um, What will you think will make the wrestling sport better again? What's your opinion on that? What do you think will make it better? Well, I already told you 90% of the wrestlers on independent wrestling shouldn't be wrestling. 90% of the promoters promoting wrestling shows shouldn't be promoting. Okay. That's the big That's the big problem. Because they're training guys. They don't even have a clue. Now, I don't know what it's going to take. Let's look, man, to shut off TV and let it go dark. I don't know what it will take. I don't think... I think it's about like every other sport. The entertainment aspects in it's the deep. It's never going to change. And it'll always be there somewhat. And that was a special place in my heart. And I love professional wrestling. Mm. It was a dream come true for me. And I'm not knocking... Listen, I'm not knocking any of the independent guys when I'm saying what I'm saying. It's the truth and it's not their fault. They love it. They want to put their heart and soul in it, but the people that taught them didn't know what they were doing when they got them. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. The promoter, just because he throws a little wrestling show, doesn't make him a promoter. And when you go to a wrestling show, you know, I mean, I'm not knocking none of them. I like them. I like them all, and I respect them all. But it's just like, for example, saying, just because I like NASCAR doesn't make me a NASCAR driver. Yeah. <laughs> just because I like baseball doesn't make me a major league ball player. Just because I like football doesn't make me eligible for the NFL. Just because I like hockey doesn't mean that I can go into the NHL and, and compete on their level. It's not It's not the same. Yeah. And you know, and the, the other thing is, what? they're talking, about, a lot of people talk about stuff we did 20 years ago and you know, 25 years ago. But the people are not talking about the wrestling today. So if they're not talking about it today, or they don't have passion or care about it today, who will they talk about 20 years from now? 
That's an interesting question. Yeah. You know, people love to hate people. Yeah, so you know, people love to hate John Cena, but will they talk about John Cena twenty years from now? You know. I don't know. Did he have that big of an impact? To me, the last big impact professional wrestling had on the country was was and Vince McMahon. I think like this. I mean, because he just now has the WWE. That's the only thing that he really markets. But was was the Rock and the Rock and Steve Austin? Then when Steve Austin was against Vince McMahon. Everybody, you could walk down the street and everybody have three sixteen shirts on. Yeah, because of what with Jake Roberts. Yeah, that's so true. You could walk down any street and see in any town in the country and see at least five or six three sixteen Austin three sixteen shirts. And then of course the NWO with the WCW, you know, was the last big ride. And since then, there's been nothing really big that stands out that's affected the professional wrestling. And like I said, I think Vince likes it like that because what's the negotiation? Okay, if Vince was the biggest heel in the company, what other heels stands a chance to negotiate saying, well, I need a little bit more money, Vince, because, uh, well, why? I can replace you with anybody. All I'm bringing is a WWE to town in most towns once a year, some towns maybe twice a year. I don't need you. Yeah. In your opinion, what are the thoughts on women participating in the sport? Well, how do you feel about the women's wrestling? Do you think it's a new resurgence? I think I think that women get in there. Uh, I've seen those lady wrestlers. They get in there and they really go at it. Yeah. They're better than a lot of the guys. <laughs> I mean, that's my personal opinion. Yeah. So we're training them, and at NXT, need to be training the guys too. Yeah. But I think, I think what it is, is somehow, for some reason, Dusty Rhodes and them had that NXT on fire, but when they get up to the WWE, they, they would lose something. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it was taken away from them in the WWE, but that NXT, uh, people told me, I hear a lot of good things about that and what they've done, you know. Yeah. Winding down, um, you know, you have your fantastic finale tour, and there's a lot of guys yeah. you want to get in the ring with. Um, who is your dream guy that you want to have as your last and final match? Well, I don't know exactly, but I would love to wrestle that Davey Richards one time. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, um, 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 what is it about Davey Richards that you see that you want to get in the ring with him? Richards, all right, wow. Yeah, that would be nice. I'd like to wrestle once. Yeah. I can do it every once in a while. 
don't let the don't let the age factor fool you. Yeah. Like I said, once I get in this gym, I plan on turning it up another notch. Yeah. yeah, I definitely want to say I hope Davy Richards hears this because then you know I would love to see that happen. And he, you know, he wants to wrestle me. Oh yeah. He's already out there on Facebook also. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it would be good. I would love to wrestle him one time. Yeah. I think he's a real good talent. And there's a lot. Of, there's some good. There's some great guys out there. I mean, a lot of great athletes. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And I, I wasn't paying no disrespect to nobody. Yeah. When I said that about most of the independent guys shouldn't be in wrestling, they shouldn't. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of great athletes in wrestling. They're just not teaching them the wrestling part of it. Yeah. You know, they just go to the from the big move. They go to the big fireworks to the big fireworks. And they forget about the fireworks. Two more questions, Bobby. Um, what is your mantra? What is your personal motto? My personal motto. Yeah. My personal motto mm-hmm. is don't quit, keep getting back up, and don't look behind you because you're not going that way. Yeah. And Bobby, my final question to you is what would the Bobby Fulton of today tell the Bobby Fulton of yesterday? Take a little more time to try to smell the roses. Take a little more time to try to enjoy it. Don't be so enveloped in it. Um, Just take a little more time to enjoy the ride. That's what I would tell him. Amazing, Bobby. Um, first of all, let me personally say it was an honor watching you wrestle all those matches. You put a lot of joy in my heart. You and Tommy Rogers were an excellent tag team. And, you know, well, I, we always have, you know, with technology now, we always have YouTube and we can always see you guys wrestle. So thank you so much for bringing joy to my heart. Thank you so much for that compliment. And that's what it was all about because, you know, I, I am I'm wrestling. I'm a big fan of wrestling. Yeah. And that's why I did it. And I, like I said, I got a chance to live a dream from a small town to a cotton, Ohio, to get a chance to travel the world. And not only that, but get a chance to live a dream. Russell's one of the greatest partners. Uh, Tommy Rogers is a man could ask for. We, we didn't get a chance to touch on that. We were put together by Bill Watson, a superstar Bill Dundee, in Louisiana in 1984. And uh, just say I'm going back to... Alexandria, Louisiana, December the 4th, on a big event there in, in Repeats Parish. And like you said, I'm on this uh, uh, final tour, this fantastic finale, enjoying my career, get a chance to see folks and fans and wrestlers. And when I say goodbye, then it's going to be goodbye. And uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing any of the fans out there along this tour and this trip and, and everything. And I want to appreciate you for remembering me and uh, for being so kind to me and giving me an opportunity to speak to you this evening. God bless you, brother. God bless you too, Bobby. And hopefully you'll fight Luke Williams and have the reunion of the fantastic sheep herders. Yes. Oh, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. It's, it, it's going to happen. The blood's going to flow like wine. That's what the wrestler used to say. The blood is going to flow like wine. It's going to be like an old-fashioned jubilee. It's going to be pouring out into the streets. Oh, man. 
Bobby, thank you very much, and I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one.